0: Yes, serving God is amazing, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's rough. Sometimes you feel like, oh my goodness, devil, would you stop breathing on my neck? Would you just back up just a little bit? Give me some room here. But then sometimes you got to be suited up. You got to have the full armor of God on all of your defensive uh, positions and weapons. And then sometimes you need to grab the sword. I brought a couple swords today. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Sometimes you need to grab the sword. Sometimes, and you need to take this thing off, but there we go. I'm going to let my man do that. There we go. Sometimes you need to have the sword, and you need to be ready, and you need to advance the kingdom of God. And guess what? When you're ready, and you have your, your weapons on, and you have your defense on, and then you start going, and you advance, guess what? The gates of Haiti get scared. The enemy gets afraid of you because you're advancing and you have your weapon in hand. And so today we're going to talk about the defensive weapons. And I want to tell you something that saddens me that I don't, I don't believe that we get the, the fullness of this because we always say um, there's only one offensive weapon and that's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But Paul goes on and he starts talking about praying. And I believe that there's actually two offensive weapons when we are going against the enemy. It is the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, and it is prayer. And so today we're gonna talk about some, we're gonna get you guys equipped. Who wants to be equipped today? Who wants to be ready? Yes. We're gonna get equipped and we're gonna be trained on both the word of God and prayer. And so we're gonna talk about our offensive weapons today the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying in the spirit, praying. Which is what I like to, to imagine as like missiles dropped from a plane to attack the enemy of a, at a distance. Now I, I believe um, that Paul had a different uh, imagination at the time of what prayer could be like, and I believe that when he was thinking of the full armor of God, of course he uh, was inspired by the Roman soldiers. Now you guys know who's been here for a while that this was uh, the word the armor of God is found in Ephesians it was written by Paul, and at the time, Paul was in prison, and he was visited by Roman soldiers and saw Roman soldiers, and so their their weaponry, their armor inspired him to, um, of course, God inspired him, but gave, them, gave him the picture to put together the full armor of God, and one of the things that, that the soldiers would have were lances, and so that's what they would throw if the enemy was at a distance. The swords were for, you know, more one-on-one combat, but sometimes they would take a lance, and they would literally throw it, and it would attack and, and, and defeat the enemy. Anyone who's watched any, like, medieval shows and stuff would know what that looks like, and we're going to get into that a little bit more, but I know that prayer keeps the enemy at a distance, friends, and so we got to be equipped with both the Word of God for that time where it's, like, up in your face, and you feel like he's breathing down your neck, and we need to make sure that we're also equipped with prayer that keeps the enemy um, at a distance. Ephesians 6, 17, again, take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right now we're going to talk about sword training. Say sword training. training. I want you guys to realize, and if you're filling in the blank here, there are three different types of swords that the Roman soldiers would use. Many different types, but three specific types of swords that they would use. I believe this is important in breaking down what Paul was talking about here. Number one, they would use this huge, and I wish I would have some of these. If anyone ever finds any, we want to bless your pastors. We like swords. We have a couple of them, but we want some more. <laughs> I just, I just think they're so cool, and we want some more. But this one was this huge, double-handed um, sword. It was, it was quite heavy to carry, and this sword was basically used. Um, With two hands, you couldn't just like pick it up like how I picked up that one. You had to use two hands to use it. And it was used during practice time when the soldiers would practice fighting. And they used this sword kind of to build their muscles. Because you couldn't just use it with one hand. I mean, it was heavy. They used it and, and it was exercise. And they would build their muscles with this sword. It was a very heavy sword. See, some of you, friends, have been using practice swords. Some of you guys have had some things going on in your life and you've been just using practice swords and it's been heavy and it's been hard and you, you feel like you're not getting victory because, friends, God has um, something more for you and we're going to talk about that. We have to realize that, that there's a time for practice, but then there's a time to like get in the game, right? There's a time to practice and there's a time to be in the battle, and so there was that huge double-handed sword, but then there also was a long sword that was used for fighting the battles. It was really long. And the interesting thing about this sword is that it was effective in battle, but it was more so used to wound the enemy and not completely defeat the enemy. And so some of us have been using the long sword in, in our fight against the enemy. And we've done some damage Against the enemy. We've done some damage, but we haven't quite defeated the certain enemy in our life. We haven't quite defeated that. You know, there's some of us who've been battling certain certain addictions, certain um strongholds in our minds, certain lies of the enemy, and we've been using a long sword and we've been keeping them at bay, but we haven't quite gotten the victory. How many of you guys have been there? Like you know, you know that you've been fighting back, but you haven't quite got the victory just yet, right? That's the long sword. And God wants to equip you today with a better sword. These are our good swords and it's better to use some. We got to use them all. We got to use the, the huge one, the practice sword, to build our muscles. We got to use the long one at times and it keeps the enemy at bay. But there's a better sword, friends. And the better sword the Lord wants to give you, it comes from the Greek word, machera. And this is the sword of the Spirit when we actually look at the Greek, which is what the New Testament, most of it was written in. This is the kind of sword that Paul was talking about, which a lot of us get that wrong because we don't realize that. Although it could be up to 19 inches long, most of the time this was a shorter-shaped sword. It was more like a a dagger. And this dagger, it, it was so sharp that... It had two sides, and both sides were so sharp. Some of them even had, like, uh, it would be shaped in such a way that it would almost be like a corkscrew. And when it was made for up-close combat, and it would really do not just damage to the enemy. It, if you got hit with that dagger sword, I'm talking close combat. I mean, you can't just, with, with the longer sword, okay, with this longer sword, you can do Combat a little bit more at a distance, right? Too bad I wasn't at South Toledo because I know one of my, my, my Hispanic friends would have a little pocket knife on them. <laughs> but right here, I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? But it was more of a dagger, more of a pocket knife, and it was for up close, up close battle. No, baby, I would never cut you. I'm just using you as an illustration. (laughs) Up close battle, friends. And that's the kind of sword that the Bible is talking about when it's talking about the sword of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up learning about the full armor of God, I never pictured a little sword. I pictured a huge sword and did not realize. So this is the thing. Paul was giving a message to the church using this Greek word, and in essence, God was saying, I'm giving you a weapon, such a frightful weapon that it would even scare the devil. The kingdom of darkness is afraid of this weapon. It's razor razor sharp power to slash demonic forces of hell and shred them to pieces. We must understand what type of sword God has given us. Now I want to break this down too. When it talks about the word of God, because Paul gives us exactly what the sword of the spirit is. He says it is the word of God. And when it breaks down the Word of God in the Bible, there's actually three words that mean, um, in, the, in the original language, that mean Word of God. The first one is graphe, and it means words on a page, the ink, the literal Bible. It means this, the actual binding, the leather, the the page, the pages, the literal Bible. Now, I want to share a little something that Beth Moore talked about, which I thought was interesting. She said, I'm coming after your cell phones, and I'm going to tell you what, friends, as someone who's addicted to a cell phone, I was a little bit convicted. And she, she had mentioned that on our cell phones that a lot of us, just like my comedian over there said, you know, Siri, turn to, to paid, or turn to you know the gospel of John or whatever, that a lot of us do Bible study on the cell phones, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not sinful. You're still using a Bible. You're using modern technology. There's nothing wrong with it. But she was saying that she's afraid, especially the younger generation, will forget about the weight of the Word of God. See, when we hold our cell phone and we just read our Bible on our cell phone, it—it, it, I mean, it's in a place with Facebook. It's in a place with Instagram. It's in a place with, um, you know, all the other work apps and emails and everything else. And it, it's... it's we don't really get to feel the weight of it when we're just on our cell phone. And so it's really, you know, I, I do a lot of devotions on my cell phone, and I'm not going to give that up. But there's something special about the graphe, the, 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 the actual book, the pages, the flipping of the. See, when, when I grew up in, in church, we used to do this thing that was called sword drills. Our young kids probably don't even know about that anymore because they just get there super fast, faster than anyone by um, going on their Bible apps. But there was a sword drill, and they would the, the Bible teacher, the Sunday school teacher would say, turn to, you know, John 5, 5, and, and you would hear pages flip in the Bible, and you was feeling kind of awesome if you got there first. When Josh and I first got married, and it was before the smartphone, <laughs> and our pastor would say, turn to whatever, we would race. And then we would look to each other and be like, beat ya. But now it's, you know, a lot easier to do so. But friends, it's important to know that, there, that the uh, three different types of original language here in Greek, what, what the word Bible means or, or the word of God. And so there's the graphe, which is the physical binding of the Bible, the pages, the words on it. And then there's the logos. The logos is actually the written word. It's not just just, um, the the binding of the Bible or the pages. It's the actual words within the Bible. Okay? It's the logos, it's the the entirety, it's it's the wholeness of the Bible. And that's important. And then there's the rhema. And the rhema, friends, it is the utterance or the thing said. It is the word that signifies action and utterance of the Bible. It's the on time right now word. This is the better this is the better description to what he means when he is talking about the sword of the spirit. See, point 2 here learn which sword is the most destructive to the enemy all those swords we need we need the heavy sword we need to build our muscles we need the logos we need the 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 word the entirety of the word the every single word on the bible is god breathed or god breathed and inspired and is the authoritative rule of our life we need the written word of god but we need the rama that right now on time inspired word of god and this is the most destructive to the enemy just like the dagger is inserted into a, a victim at close range, the Rama word of God is used only at close combat. Most scholars call the Rama word of God the spoken word of God. The Rama carries the idea of the quicken. Word of God. When Daniel was praying and fasting for 21 days, and the angel was released to give him that prayer, he received the rhema Word of God. When Jesus, after he was baptized, he went into the desert, and he was tempted by the devil, and the devil was right up close and personal in his face, he used The rhema word of God. In Matthew 4, 4, when it says man does not live on every uh, word or every, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is the rhema word of God. When my mom fought cancer a few years ago and God spoke to her that this disease would not uh, lead to death, that was the rhema word of God. Friends, God has a right now, on time word for you. And it's usually, when you get the the rhema word, it's usually when you're in battle. It's usually when you're really going through something. That's the right now, on time word of God. And that's what God has for you today. The sword of the spirit is a weapon meant to be used in close combat. Friends, the same has been, uh, some of you, friends, have been in some battles. Some of you have some family members that have been going through some things and it's been affecting you. Some of you guys have been dealing um, with discouragement, and some of you guys have been dealing with depression. Some of you guys have been dealing with sickness in your body. Some of you guys have felt the heaviness um, so much that that it's almost paralyzed you to, to do everything that God has called you to do. And, friends, God has a rhema word for you today. But you got to get along with God to get that. You're not going to hear the rhema word um, most likely in a place of chaos and loudness. But when you get quiet before him and you lay out what you're going through and you quiet your spirit and you open your ears, he'll speak that rhema word to you. And, friends, he wants to speak it to you because he loves you enough that he wants to give you a quickened word, a right now on time word for your life. And when you get it, you stand on it. You stand on it. When my mom was going through that and she got that word from the scriptures that this disease will not lead to death, we held on to that word. We believed she's not going to die from this. She's going to overcome this. You hold on to that rainbow word and you put your faith in it and you stand on it. And I'm telling you, friends, Then when the enemy comes, you, you, you're, when you're in that close hand-to-hand combat, you pull it out and you give it to him. You give it to him. That's what Jesus did when, when he said, turn this stone into bread. That's what the devil said. And he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it said the enemy, he, he left. He looked for a more. He, he didn't leave forever. He was going to look for a more opportune time, but he left for that time. And friends, some of you feel like, man, I've been going through it, and I need the enemy just to back up for a while. Get that rhema word. Get it. Point three in sword training. The sword that is uh, needed to defeat the enemy. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, I did a study on this verse once. Um, I was inspired by my uh, sparkling gems from the Greek devotional, and he was talking about this verse, and he, he broke down the Greek word for double edge, and I'm telling you, it was the most oddest word. I didn't even put it on there because I, I probably would not be able to say it ever. It was the, but the meaning, not only was the word odd, the meaning of the word was odd. Double-edged sword literally means two-mouthed. Doesn't that sound like a bad guy off of, like, Batman or something? Two mouth. That's what it means. Two mouth. Double edge means two mouth. I'm like, this is weird. Like, weird with an H. Like, weird. You know what I mean? Like, two mouth. Okay. Okay. But then I start reading it more, and I was like, whoo, man, I got so excited. So he began to explain that what it means is, is the reason it's double-edged. Now, see, the book of Revelation, where it talks about how our Lord Jesus comes back, he comes back um, on a horse, and it says he has a sword. Do you guys remember where the sword, those who, who've been there for a while, where the sword actually was coming from? It wasn't on a side where you think someone would keep a sword. It was out of his mouth. It was out of his mouth. And this is what the rhema word is. Because the rhema word isn't like, oh, God wants you to be happy. Show me that in the scriptures. That's not a rhema word. That's your flesh. Oh, God just wants me to be happy, so I'm going to just do whatever I want to do because I want to be happy. That's flesh. That's not the scriptures. A rhema word is a scripture. It is a scripture. When, when, when Jesus defeated the devil in the, in the desert, every time the devil tempted him, and guess what? The devil would use scriptures out of context to tempt him say, oh, you're the son of God, well then throw yourself from this mountain. The, the Bible says that angels uh, will carry you and you would not even hurt your foot. And Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. Even the devil knows scripture. Jesus defeated him with a rhema right, on, right now on time word and said, do not test the Lord your God. So two mouth, what it is, is the word is coming from God's mouth So it was in his mouth first, you receive it in your heart and then you declare it out of your mouth. Two mouth, friends. That's what the double-edged sword is. Come on, that makes me happy. That makes me so happy. So when the enemy is coming against me and he's telling me these things and I'm nobody and I can't do this and and whatever the enemy lies to me and, oh, this will never happen and this will never happen, then I say, you're a liar, devil. This is what God speaks over me. I am the head and not the tail. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is that? That's the sword coming out of Jesus' mouth. That's the word of God coming out of his mouth. That's me receiving it into my heart. And then then that's me speaking it out of my mouth, declaring the goodness of God, friends. Who wants to be 2 mouthed up in here today? <laughs> I'm telling you, friends, there is a better way. There is a, you pray God's word over your life, that prayer is going to be answered. You declare his word over your life and you will see that the enemy will be defeated. And so right now we're going into a season. Starting today, that we are doing a twenty-one day fast, and uh, I was out with several ladies from, from uh, our church yesterday at both campuses, and we kicked it, and um, we were out to lunch. <laughs> that was an experience, on huh, Bailey, and um, <laughs> and uh, we were talking about uh, fasting and praying and and what that means, and and this is the thing, friends. Their fasting and praying, what it does, I believe, is it brings the word of God and prayer together to use both offensive weapons against the enemy. The Bible says Jesus um, looked to his disciples after they couldn't cast a demon out of a a person. And the disciples said, well, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus looked to them and said, because some only come out with prayer and fasting. And so these next 21 days, we're going to pray and fast starting today. And so if you've already ate breakfast or whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever God puts on your heart. We're not, oftentimes we would tell people exactly what to do, but this time we're saying, whatever God puts down in your heart, maybe for you it'd be just giving up bread. Maybe it'd be giving up your coffee, giving up sweets. Maybe um, for you, you're going to do a Daniel fast, which means just fruits and vegetables. Maybe for you, you'll say, I'm going to skip breakfast every day and have a longer time praying, or I'm going to skip dinner every day and take that longer time to pray and fast. Whatever you decide to do, you write it down, and you get you a journal. Even men get you a journal, a notebook, okay, something, that you can write on. And for 21 days, every single day, make sure you write in that journal some kind of prayer, some kind of scripture that God is putting on your heart. And watch what God will do. And we are specifically asking you guys to pray for three things. And you can pray for other things too, but for three things. One, we feel like God wants to strengthen marriages. We're going to ask you to pray for marriages. Now, not only does he want to strengthen marriages, we have to realize that a marriage is a reflection of God's um, love for his people. He's actually called the body of Christ the bride of Christ. That's another name. And so it's a reflection. So when we're praying for God to strengthen marriages, we have to realize that that means God is going to strengthen the church. So it's a good thing. Two, we're gonna pray for unity. We've been praying for God to send revival and for God to just wake people up, that they would realize how awesome and incredible and real that he is and how much he loves his people. And I believe that he is waking people up. We see even through this terrible thing with all these hurricanes and and not to make light of all the horrible things that are going on, but God's church is, right, is rising up during that time. And we see a lot of awesome testimonies coming out of it. And so we want to pray for unity so that God would send revival and wake people up. And then we're also praying for our uh, p- uh, finances and for a breakthrough in that area in both our church and personally We're praying for banquet during that time that God will just really come through. And so prayer and fasting. We're going to talk about some prayer training real quick because I believe that our church is anointed to pray. Now, at, different churches have different giftings, and I believe two of ours that would be the strongest is outreach and prayer. And so, I want to make sure that Waterville, this campus is starting out strong in prayer. Prayer is like dropping missiles on the enemy. The sword of the spirit is for up close battle, but prayer is a weapon that could be used against the enemy at a distance. Prayer is what happens when your son or daughter calls you up and says, this is going on in my life, and you can't be there because maybe you're not in the same state or maybe you're 45 minutes away, but right now you can be there uh, through prayer. I mean, God can be there through prayer and do something. That's for the distance, that kind of battle. The, spore of the, the sword of the spirit is a dagger to the bad battle where the devil will be up close in combat, but praying in the spirit is like missiles from an airplane dropping missiles anywhere around the world. How awesome is that? But since, like I said, the Roman soldiers was what inspired Paul, I want to talk, talk to you about he pictured a lance. A lance is a spear that was a weapon that was available to the Ro- Roman soldiers. And I believe that Paul had this in mind when he was speaking about praying on the Spirit on all occasions. The lances were used by the large, diverse army uh, the Roman army, to throw at the enemy from a distance. They came in different shapes and sizes. Friends, we need to believe and know that when we pray, that the enemy feels it. I'm going to tell you this, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know, I haven't spoke about this story in a long time, but this is for real. When, when Josh and I first got married, we lived in this little efficiency apartment. It was a tiny, little, little thing. And you can go ahead and take that picture off now, buddy. That the enemy is afraid of us when we are fighting him. But we lived in this low-efficiency apartment, and my husband's a big man, and so he would pray laying out on the floor, and I would have to, I used to think he was taking a nap because I was always a walk-and-talk praying kind of person. I was kind of loud when I prayed, and he would be like quiet. I thought he was sleeping, and so I would step past him <laughs> to to get to the bedroom or to wherever I had to go. But there was a time that him and I were sleeping in bed. And like I said, it's when we first got married. And there was a demonic presence that came into our room. And I'm friends that this was not a vision. This was not a dream. There was a demonic presence that came into our room. We were sleeping. I woke up and there was this demon. It wasn't a vision. I saw it with my eyes only one time in my entire life. I could see why people who aren't spirit-filled would think that they were getting alien uh, abducted. I really believe they were, they're were demons. But this shadow, it was like a shadow figure. It was dark. It was hovering right above me, and it was buzzing. I'm, I, I'm not making this up. It was buzzing. You know, the Bible talks about the Lord of, of the flies, um, Beelzebub. And so as it was buzzing, I said, in the name of Jesus, go. And as soon as I said Jesus, go go, it got sucked literally out of that apartment. I woke my husband up because he was so sleeping when all this happened. And he felt like the eerie presence and, and, and that, it was still, that, that was still left behind. And we just start praying and, and, and going back and forth and praying. And I'm telling you, friends, I realized that day that this stuff is for real. That this stuff is for real. Like we only live for the here and now. We only live for the temporary, but this stuff is for real. And so when we pray, we are literally throwing spears at the enemy. We We are telling him to get out of here in the name of Jesus, and he has to go. And so friends, when the Bible says to pray, we need to realize how important that is. Praying in the spirit gives you dynamite power against the enemy. James 5, 16 says the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. I believe sometimes people's prayers aren't answered when they feel like they're not being answered. because they're not righteous. They're not living right with God. The Bible says the prayers of the righteous, those who are in right standing, are powerful and effective. And so, Think about that for a minute but there's times that we can't pray we feel like we don't know how to pray we don't have the right words for it romans 8 says this when you don't know how to pray that the spirit will give you utterances and so i believe it's so important to be baptized in the holy spirit and speak in tongues because there's times you don't even know how to pray but the holy spirit prays in and through you we believe in the fullness of the bible here we believe in all of the gifts That the spirit has to offer we don't believe that god gave the gifts to just the apostles and then when they died the gifts died because we believe in the latter days the bible says two things and i heard this from Beth and, I, and Lord showed me this before myself. But the Bible says two things about the last days. It says in the last days there will be perilous times, which means it's going to be hard. It's going to be rough. It talks about earthquakes and, and um, uh, all these different destructions that, that happen, perilous times. But it also says in Act 2 that in the last days that his spirit will be poured out among his sons and daughters and for everyone who believes. And so in the last days, the power of God is going to really come. And so why do I believe that, that, only, that God only gave it to the apostles and then he's leaving us? And, and if they were in last days, we're even in more last days, right? If they were believing he was coming any, in, back any moment, we should really be looking that he's coming back in any moment and we need to be ready. He's closer for sure. And these things are coming together closer and closer. And just like birth pains, we need to be ready because it could be any moment now. And so we need to know we have dynamite power when we pray. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20 says, pray also for me. See, he says, he says, pray for the, uh, uh, pray for the spirit, uh, pray in the spirit, pray for those, the saints. So we're supposed to pray for the people of God. So we should pray for one another. But then he says, pray also for me. And when he says that, it, it reminds me that we need to pray for one another, Always and forever, we need to be praying for one another. But we also need to pray for our leaders. And so, humbly come before you today and ask you, would you pray for Josh and I during this 21 days too? Would you pray that God would give us wisdom and direction? And not just for Josh and I, but for all the pastors and leaders of our church, and that God would give us favor, and uh, that he would open doors. If Paul could ask for prayer, and he was the greatest apostle that ever lived, I want to ask for prayer and say, please, would you pray for us? Because we're just people, and we need God to move. We need God to move in our own personal lives. we got problems in our family, and our own personal lives too, and we need God to move. And so I would ask you guys, would you do that? Lyndon Ravenhill said this, weak in prayer, weak everywhere. This is a thing, friends, final training here in prayer. Your prayer life deepens your spiritual life. Friends, I truly, truly, truly believe that Christians who are not living victoriously uh, victoriously is because they do not know how to use their offensive weapons. These are the two greatest weapons that God gives us, the word of God and prayer. And if you feel like you've been getting defeated by the enemy and you're not living victorious, friends, you're probably not using the weapons that he's given you. You can live victorious. And not only would it help you defeat the enemy, but it's going to deepen your spiritual life. It's going to make you grow and mature like never before, if you allow God to do what only God can do. Never forget that prayer is a vital piece of your spiritual weaponry. If you neglect this strategic piece of armor, you will find the enemy keeps attacking you only in close combat, up close. But as you learn to pray with authority, you will develop the ability to strike the enemy at a distance and maintain victory in your position in life.